Welcome to another ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier. I am here with former WTA player turned broadcaster Jill Cravers. And we are coming to you from the Californian desert at the conclusion of another wonderful BMP Paribas Open, the first Masters 1000 of the year in Indian Wells. Jill, we'll hear from our brand new champion very shortly, but um, have you enjoyed the fortnight? It's been unbelievable. And I have to say the weather has been fantastic. It's a little bit cooler overall for the two weeks. And I think it was sort of a welcome relief overall for how usually it can be so hot here. But I mean, the, the matches have just been absolutely phenomenal. I've loved watching them from courtside, just getting close look and how people have adapted and adjusted to the to the courts, the conditions and just the overall uh, unbelievable atmosphere at Indian Wells. And once you were finished with your TV duties, you've been busy still speaking with all kinds of people, including Wayne Ferreira, coach of semi-finalist Francis Tiafo, and Mike Bryan, one half, of course, of the legendary Bryan Brothers doubles partnership. Both of those coming up in the next half an hour or so. You've had some fun this week. It's been great. Yeah, I've lo- it was my, I mean, I love doing the interviews. I think it's great getting to know the players, getting to know the coaches, getting the inside scoop to what's really going on behind the scenes, how much... Um, hard work is put into the day in and day out of all these tournaments and now obviously from here having to go to Miami and I just think getting that insight um, and that emotional response for so, from so many of the, of the players and coaches has been fantastic. Well we've put it off long enough let's hear from Carlos Alcaraz the top seed here who has ended Daniel Medvedev's run at 19 in a row to win his very first Indian Wells final. Carlos, you are the champion of Indian Wells, and tomorrow you will be world number one again. Tell us how much both of those things mean to you. Well, uh, it means uh, a lot to me, you know, to recover the number one is uh, is crazy for me, you know. And, uh, but especially to, to leave the trophy here for me uh, means means a lot. It's a tournament that, uh, yeah, as I, as I said before, I, I love this tournament. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy my time here. So for me, lifting the, the trophy here, and of course, I felt the love for, uh, from the people since the, the day one. For me, it's, it's amazing to complete this uh, 10 days like this. And to win the title, but to win it with the kind of performance you produced today, to beat Daniil, the way you played, the way you moved him around, how much confidence does that give you heading to Miami, where, of course, you defend the title and a lot of points? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, winning a tournament, uh, it makes you a, a lot of confidence, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm playing, I'm playing great, you know. Uh, of course, today, the condition today was, was really, really tough. Uh, of course, Daniel didn't play at his best, uh, that's obviously, but... Uh, yeah, uh, all I can say is uh, I'm really happy with my performance, the, the way that I'm playing this tournament. And of course, I'm, uh, I'm looking for, for playing this, this level in Miami as well. Well done, Carlos. Thank you. Jill, what do you make of Alcaraz and what he's achieved this week? Yeah, it, it's just been incredible. First of all, it's great to see him back on the court after having that, you know, having to take some time off after Paris Masters indoors was his last event and then came back and won a title already, his first title that he was back on tour this year. So it's great to see him healthy. First of all, that's what you want for all these players, especially someone such a young age to have the success that he's had already. And I think the way he's handled himself with those expectations on his shoulders and just the way he competes. And I think he's just so respectful to all the other players and to everybody so it's great to see him come through you said earlier in the fortnight that he you think he's the fastest thing you've ever seen on a tennis court do you you stand by that yeah I do (laughs) when I first saw him this was like a few years ago when I first saw him at the U.S. Open and he was playing on the side courts 
and I hadn't I just had heard about him I and everyone kept saying oh you have to go watch this kid he's going to be really good and so I went to court five I think it was on the side court we can get really up close to the match court and seeing him that close I really felt like he was the fastest player I'd ever seen on a tennis court and I voiced that to a couple people that I knew a couple friends that I knew and they're like really better like faster than you know the top that were in their prime like Rafa at 19 Federer Djokovic and I was like I think so and then they corroborated yeah they agreed with me once they saw him and I do he's so fast he's just so light on his feet and um it's just it's just incredible to watch I'm back at world number one and back at world number one I know it's amazing yeah and what a Daniel. Um, it's been a real trial out for him this week. I mean, he, he he didn't like the courts. He said as much, but he's found a way to win on them. Yeah, that's what's been the most impressive thing. And also coming from winning three titles, going on this streak, and even from his first round, you know, he, he did, didn't necessarily feel as comfortable as he would have liked. But when you can get through those matches where you're not feeling your best, that's what the best players do. Um, all the time is they're able to understand that okay this might not be my best day but I got to find a way to win and he did that throughout the entire two weeks and came against Alcaraz who's been a little bit sharper I would say the entire two weeks but having said that I mean huge credit to Medvedev to be able to you know fight through those things where he wasn't necessarily that happy but he still fought to the to his the, the best he could and I think it was just a great two weeks. Another man who came up against an inspired Carlos Alcaraz in the semifinals was Yannick Sinner. Um, he's already won a lot of matches this season, claiming a seventh ATP title in Montpellier and reaching another final in Rotterdam. Physically, the young Italian is looking stronger this year and he puts that down to a concerted focus in the off-season alongside his coaches Simone Vagnozzi and Darren Cahill. We put a lot of work in, um, much more uh, physically than tennis-wise. So many, many hours in the gym, um, worked also mentally a little bit, um, trying to don't have this, this kind of problems in my head always. So, you know, this is a lot of work, uh, work we have done, but there's still a, a lot of work to do, um, especially in the next couple of years for me, it's, it's, they're going to be very important for the future, but still. I feel like that I can play some good tennis also also now and uh, hopefully I can show that. What are the aims for the year? What, what, what are the big targets now? Oh, for us, one aim for sure is uh, to go to the ATP finals in the end of the year, which is one of our main, main goals. Um, but if not, we have many years to come, hopefully. So I don't want to put too much pressure on me, uh, but I feel like that I can, I can play some good tennis. Um, I showed it this year, um, but you know, especially when I'm playing good tennis, I feel like that, that I can play, uh, yeah, also so a little bit different tennis that I used to play, uh, trying to play a little bit, little bit more aggressive, which is another part where we work so hard and. And then we see. Uh, I mean, uh, the season is still long. It has just started. So hopefully I can start off well and, yeah, and then we see. And just finally, the mental side of the game, somewhere where you seem so strong. Um, how does that change coming into a Masters? Do you, do you almost have to put a little bit of pressure on yourself not having won one of these before? Yeah, if you, if you don't put pressure on yourself or if you don't, uh, don't or if you are not nervous, is 
it's not the right attitude, I think. Um, and this is also one part what 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 pushes me a lot because I feel like that I have to perform in the best possible way every week, and and it gives you a lot of uh, yeah kind of goosebumps. But and obviously trying to be happy in the position where I am right now, and I am happy. Um, but obviously you want to push more, you want to go to go a little bit more and uh, as I said um, I have a lot of pressure on my side because I want to perform uh, it's not about the people outside of my team it's it's more about me and I feel like that I can play good tennis so hopefully I can show this. Yannick Sinner speaking with me earlier in the week Jill he said he's been well first of all physically I mean I've been saying all week he looks stronger, he looks stronger. Right. You, you're not quite as convinced, but he's, to me, he looks like he's put on at least five kilos. No, I do think he looks stronger. And, you know, I watched him play the semifinal against Alcaraz, so I got a little bit of a closer look. And I do think his legs in particular look stronger, his upper body looks stronger, so I agree with you. Um, and I do feel like he's looking to play a lot more aggressively, especially on the forehand side. He's always been so solid and secure on himself on that backhand side, but he's really going after it a, a little bit more. And that's that's something I actually ran into Darren Cahill at the Australian Open just in the city walking down the street. And that was something that Darren had said in particular is that he that was the, the focus was the strength, especially around the hip area, he said. And so that's what they've been working on. And you can see it. You can see it in his movement. I feel like you can even see it in his posture, the way he carries himself around the court. And so I do think he, he definitely looks stronger. And from what he said there, it also seems like it's giving him a little bit more confidence. Yeah, well, it would. I mean, the thing you have to make sure you balance out is, you know, when you are trying to put on a little bit more mass, you want to make sure it doesn't take away from your movement because that movement is so crucial on the court, especially for a center who moves extremely well. He's so agile and he's so smooth in his movements. And they've done a great job. You know, you don't want to put on too much mass where you feel like it, it inhibits you as well. So I think it looks like they're getting that getting the right balance. He looks great. Sometimes I feel with Sinner that people aren't giving him enough credit because of what Alcaraz has achieved. But Alcaraz is breaking a lot of the records that Yannick set two years ago yeah. when he won his first ATP 500. And, you know, he, he, for me, seems to be someone who can also have a real rivalry with Carlos. I think that's what we're all hoping for. I mean, that's been that's been the talk, and even both Yannick and Carlos have mentioned that as well. That they hope it's a rivalry in the future. I mean, they're they're such they're such great guys, great athletes, and such good representations for the sport. So we would love to see them both continue to rise and play a lot of matches to, against each other. It's interesting hearing him talk just on the mental side of things, just about needing to put a bit of pressure on himself. And I think Dominic Team said something very similar earlier in the year or even last year where, you know, there comes a time where you just need to start putting a bit of pressure on yourself to win matches, to get over the line. Unfortunately, Dominic's not quite doing it at the moment, but do you get what Yannick's saying Yeah, there? I do, yes. Is there a fine line, though? Yes, for sure. I mean, because if you're putting too much pressure on yourself, that can backfire sometimes. But that, that pressure... That pressure is needed. It's almost like a motivating factor. I think he, you know, Yannick in particular also mentioned, you know, you want those nerves. And if you can view those nerves in, in a positive way, because some, I, I've talked to some former players that have viewed those nerves and it, it almost made them feel like they weren't going to perform well. But, you know, the best players take those nerves at a, as a good sign. You know, they're like, okay, 
how, but it's how are you going to deal with those nerves? You got to kind of fight through them and may, maybe view them as a way like, okay, this is a positive thing. And I think if you can accept that, it's actually a very motivating factor. And that, that pressure is so important because it puts you in a mindset where you're like, okay, I want this. Like I can fight through this. And if you can get through those really tough pressure moments, it's only going to make you stronger in the tougher moments ahead. Another player who's worked really hard over the past year is another Indian Wells semi-finalist, Francis Tierfo, under his drill sergeant coach, Wayne Ferreira, and that was Francis's word, not mine. Um, he's really worked on his transition and those lung-busting approaches to the net. I do think that there is something to be said about maybe a little bit of a chip and charge, but also a drive charge, you know, taking the ball early, coming to the net. The problems that a lot of the players have, and Francis is an example of one of that, is that he grew up not really learning how to volley properly, properly, like a, like a true servant volleyer would. So even like, you know, he likes to come to the net, he doesn't volley as well as maybe some, as he would have been if he had learned to serve and volley or play a lot of doubles when he was younger. So even though he comes to the net, he doesn't volley as well as, as I would or he would like to. So if you are going to start playing that, you're going to have to spend a lot more time at the net practicing and uh, coming forward. Um, doubles was always, you know, a way to do that, but a lot of the singles players don't play doubles. And when they do play doubles, now they stay back. So, you know, coming forward is good. It can be done, but you can learn, have to learn how to volley. Mm -hmm. I, I want to talk a little bit as well about um, how much people don't see the hard work that goes into the... We, they come and see the tournaments and how the players are performing. But can you give us an insight a little bit into the day-to-day, the -day, how much work it takes to get to this stage? Well, I think every day, but I mean, the off, the off weeks are the weeks where they count, right? That's the weeks where you've got to put in the long, long hard hours uh, on the court and doing a lot of um, drilling, working on specifics, um, a lot of fitness, and then, you know, also, also the gym work. I mean, so off, off weeks are, are tough. I mean, you know, we try to double session a day, tennis, and one maybe one full session in the gym and then one session of running and fitness afterwards so the days get very long i mean looking at six seven hours of of tennis a day um you know once you get to the tournament it's too late to start working on stuff uh, we do do in between days he francis is still doing a, a lot of gym work he's still going in the gym and doing his sessions it's not as heavy as it would be on off weeks and that but there's a lot of emphasis now on the stretching and the and the gym and the and the fitness side and how much do you get into like nutrition and stuff like that? Um, not not as much. I mean, Francis has has had to cut back a lot on the food that he likes. He likes Oreos and he likes cookies. Who doesn't like Oreos? Well, yeah, but not 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 as much as he does. But he's had to cut back a little bit on that, and he's actually been doing a good job. He's still, in my opinion, not as good as he should be in regards to having good breakfast. Um, he does do well when it comes to the courts and the food intake that he has before matches and after matches. It's just the breakfast that's a bit of a problem for him. But uh, he's not on a specific diet. He's just trying to eat as well as he can. Mm -hmm. And just talking about the mental part of it a little bit, I think Francis has mentioned to me a couple times that that's been the key for what's been going well. But how much do you focus on the, the mental side? Because it's such a huge part of the game. Well, for him, I think it's probably the most important, the investment and the intensity. The investment to want to go out and try it 100% all the time through the match, that's obviously a key. There's days where he doesn't feel like as good as he would like to feel, and, and, he, and you have to fight through those days. I mean, if you could win matches, if you only won matches when you felt great, you wouldn't be good. You've got to win the matches where you don't feel that good. Those are the ones that count, and those are the ones I'm trying to get him to win is the days that he doesn't feel so good to put that little extra effort into fight and to grind. 
so the the there's that is the investment side and then the intensity side is also when when he's playing matches and things are going easy and he wins the first set or he's up a break or things are going well is to keep the intensity so that he doesn't lose his concentration and allow the opponent back mm-hmm. in so those are the two main specific things that we focus on but you've you've been there i mean you've been in those moments yourself where you had the struggles but you also succeeded to to such a great degree like how can I don't know if you can explain it like how maybe getting through those difficult moments and what you had to do to continue to just keep coming back and working at it well I mean you look at you look at uh, the draw in particular and you watch I mean I, I tell Francis every time we see a draw like for instance I watched uh, Rublev one round one time first round of the French Open down two sets and a break and then we watched Zverev in the same French Open was down two sets and and down a break in the fourth set and playing horrible play, not playing well at all the conditions were tough and you know they fought and they hung in there and they hung in hung in and they ended up winning that specific match and made the one made quarters one made semis and those are the things I try to emphasize with him I say to him those are the ones that count right because if you have a bad day doesn't mean the next day is going to be bad you've got to win those matches those are the ones that make you a great tennis player if and and we we don't have as many of those as we would like and we're getting better and we're having a few more matches that we could have or should have lost that he ends up winning but that's what makes you a champion is winning those matches so you you haven't had many of those tough matches that you would like not as many as as, as he needs yeah if he that he needs to be uh, um, top 10 like for giving example catching off match in Australia this year fourth round he did not play very well um, and came, started fighting back and had 6-1 in the break and the fourth set to go into the fifth and ended up losing but that that's a match where for me it's a, an opportunity lost where he's not playing that well but he's kind of hanging in there but th- if he wins that catching off made semis and that's the difference that's the difference that it makes sometimes is winning those matches Jill, it's great to hear from Wayne Ferreira and the extended version of your chat with Wayne will be out on the podcast channel in the next couple of weeks without spoiling it for people and just picking up on a couple of things that he said there. Um, He said, you've got to win the matches when you don't feel good. Mm -hmm. How tough is that to do? Very tough (laughs) because you are, I mean, tennis players are perfectionists overall, the majority of them. And so a lot of times you want things to feel really good you want which helps with the confidence because the better you feel the more confident you get and we we gave we just gave some great examples of some players that maybe weren't feeling great like a Medvedev or a Yannick Sinner that you know wants that pressure I think it's another good example and and it's it's Wayne was fantastic because he really focused a lot on I mean it's worth saying over and over again if you can come through in those moments where you don't feel good or you're nervous and the last and your arm is shaking on a serve or if your arm is shaking on a put away volley but if you can fight through those moments that's where you just get stronger and stronger as a player and so those struggle moments you you tend to learn later on and I think a lot of these younger guys are learning them earlier on because they got great support teams around them Um, and if you can get that message across it, it is so valuable Interesting. He also touched on nutrition, which seems to just mm. becoming a huge yeah. touch point for the, all the players now. I think I think nutrition and also the other word that keeps coming up over and over again is recovery. I think people are starting to realize how important sleep is, how important days off are. You're starting to see a lot more of the guys take time off after Australia because it's such a long season because they need that time off to, to get ready, for example, here for the first Masters 1000 event. 
But everything, look, the margins between these players is so fine and so slim. So if it's nutrition is something that you can control, when you go out into the court, you're not going to control where your opponent's going to serve, where they're going to hit the ball. Their, their whole goal is to make you uncomfortable. So if you can control your fitness, nutrition, it's those, those really small details that can make such a huge difference. How many players would you say now are kind of exploring either a vegan diet or something which is kind of an alternative lifestyle choice to the normal people? Because I, it, it seems a big right. thing now. I, I think a lot are. I mean, Hubie Hercatch is, is vegan. He's one that's for sure vegan. I know there's a few that are... Um, Novak famously is vegan. Novak and gluten-free. And I think a lot of players, from my experience, are at least willing to try to see how they feel because you never know how you're going to feel unless you explore these different things. And so I think, you know, athletes are so um, f- finely attuned to their body. They know their body so well. They know how they feel. They know what they want to put in their body as far as meals to feel their best the next day. And a lot of it is about what you eat the night before. That's going to give you that energy the next day. So I think it's all about exploration. And I think athletes are willing to explore different diets, different fitness, just to get that slight edge. But everyone is individual, so everyone's going to feel different in, in different ways if they, if they do different diets. And some might not feel great with the vegan diet. Some feel amazing, like Herkatch feels amazing and Djokovic feels amazing. So it's really an individualistic thing. There was a lot to shout about this fortnight for the home fans, with Taylor Fritz in the quarters, Francis Tierfo in the semis, and Tommy Paul reaching the fourth round. All three are currently up inside the world's top 20, where Tommy expects more Americans to join them. You know, we're all playing really good tennis. I think as the year goes on and on, hopefully we keep moving up in our rankings, even where we're at now, just keep going up. And I think I think there'll be more Americans in the top 20 soon too. Um, I think it's a really exciting time and everyone's playing really good tennis, working really hard. I should say congratulations also for breaking top 20. Oh, thank you, yeah, time. thank you. What does that mean to you? What does that do for your confidence? It means a lot. My goal at the beginning of the year was like either top 15 or top 10, I can't remember. So I'm going with top 15 right now because uh, still not quite there yet. But uh, breaking in the top 20, it, it was a goal of mine and I'm, pumped to have it now I'm just looking to the next one you know trying to get some more results to push my ranking a couple more spots and what's it going to take because I mean physically you seem to be taking yourself and your opponents to some pretty incredible places yeah. right now is, is it going to take more of that yeah I mean I think it's it's uh doing that and being consistent doing that I think to to be top 15 top 10 in the world like it's all about consistency it's not about having one amazing week uh you gotta be there week in week out and uh i mean that that's like my main focus this year every tournament i play like i want to win and when you see uh everyone's motivated because there's been some uh some people at the top that have kind of I don't know if left the game, but like I feel like there's like kind of an opening to where like people are winning tournaments now. People are winning big tournaments that aren't just like the two or three names that you're used to. So everyone's really excited about that. Everyone's working hard to to get that. They want to be that that person. Would it even be fair to say it's kind of a new era? Does it feel like a new era? Definitely. I think last year was like when, or two years ago really, was when like everyone started realizing like, okay, like, this is a new era of tennis. There's a lot of like names that you 
that hadn't seen before that are coming up and at the top of the game. And uh, it's not the same people winning every tournament. Jill, as, as an American yourself, Tommy's saying that he thinks there'll be more American men inside the, the top 20. We've currently got Taylor Fritz, Francis Tiafo, and him. Um, which other Americans do you see breaking top 20? Oh, there's so many to choose from. I mean, I, I hate just naming names because I always feel like I'm going to leave somebody out because there's so many talented ones coming up. I think, um, well, I mean, just to name a few, there's Korda and Nakashima, Brooksby, Shelton, Wolf, your favorite Cressy. You love the serving so volleyers. I know. Um, and, and there's a bunch more, but I think it's so great that these guys have been such a close-knit group, and I think that's what makes a huge difference in the rise of all these other ones. Now, I'm not going to choose one or two that are going to break through. I mean, so many things have to go right. Um, you know, you have to stay healthy. You know, you have to stay fit. Um, and I think they, they all are, but it's hard. It's, it's hard. It depends on luck of the draws. It depends on so many things, but I think they all have the capability to be able to, to push through and they all have, they all have got such a good attitude too. I think you can see that deep sense of belief in the next, in the next group, um, you know, under the Fritz, Tiafo and Paul. And so I think it's a, it's a very exciting, it's a very exciting time. The man who beat Tommy Paul, saving six match points on the way to that win here, was Felix Auger-Aliassime, who had a big breakthrough year last year in finally getting over the line and winning his first final. And then he won another three. Um, I asked him before the tournament what it took to readjust after finally getting over that hurdle. I mean, the goals are always to improve every year, to be a better player than I was a year prior. And I feel like when I'm always kind of thinking, like, how can I improve my game? I feel like... Good things come out of that but definitely last year I mean I had lost in many finals and I thought like okay I need to either with my scheduling or like with the way I approach tournaments then I need to go and, and try to win a title and you know just check this box and then you know when I did it was a huge relief so of course this year um, I feel like the, the goals are even higher that doesn't mean that they're easier they're actually tougher so uh, I feel like yeah every year it gets tougher and tougher and uh, you always try to push the bar higher I mean I was yeah as high as number six in the world but now you know to, to go even higher than that is a, is a big challenge but uh, I, I'm up for it and, and ready for ready for it how much is the goal now to really try and peak at these big events these masters the slams and and also how do you do that I think it comes with just preparing yourself the the, the right way even if you don't get the result right away I feel like for me it's about um, scheduling uh, your your tournaments and your practices and the way that like okay I don't want to come to these tournaments and win a few matches I want to be able to come and, and go all the way and win the final match so I think it just comes with kind of like preparing yourself for that visualizing that and just that everybody around you is on board kind of like okay that's the goal the goal is not just to play every tournament and hope for the best it's really to prepare for the the big ones the masters the grand slams and, and try to to go deep in, in those ones and I feel like you know, if you set those goals and you, you stick to them, at some point in my career, I hope that I will get uh, rewarded for that. Yeah. Felix Auger-Aliassime, Jill, such a considered player and great speaker as well. He is. I mean, 
he is such a hard worker. I think that's what, what stands out to me is his willingness to improve. I know that him and, you know, his coach Fred and Tony Nadal, they've all talked about having that high respect for each other. And I think that's something he's always had. I remember seeing him four or five years ago. He had that at such a very young age. You could see it. But he's so diligent about everything he does. I think my question for him, I would love to know like how creative he gets on the practice court because he's so wanting to do what his coaches are telling him to the nth degree and such a perfectionist that it would be interesting to see how creative he is and playful he is on the practice court. I would love to see that. But, I mean, how can you not love working with someone that just is so willing to be open and try anything that the coaches offer, the advice they give, and the hard, the type of hard worker that he is? He's just great. He also spoke about visualizing mm. winning the big tournaments. Yeah. How does that work as, as an athlete, and, and does it really work, I guess? I mean, I can just talk from personal experience. It really worked for me. Um, I think visualization is a is a very effective tool, in my opinion. I, there's there's been scientific evidence where people have visualized without, for example, I think there was a story about a golfer that didn't play for four or five months and but visualized every day his swing and how he hit the ball, and then when he actually came back on the tour, had the best score he's ever had. So, I think it's a very strong, effective tool. And but but there are different ways of visualizing. You can visualize yourself in a movie or you can visualize yourself um, actually feeling the wind on your face, seeing what outfit you're wearing, feeling the sun on your face, you know, feeling the grip in your hand for a tennis racket. And uh, apparently this and this is how I did it. And it worked for me. Um, I used to see myself as a movie, but apparently it's a lot more powerful if you can actually be inside your body and feel and see who you're playing like through your eyes and I mean just from personal experience it's worked for me so I, I think it's very powerful and f- from a tennis context and also a Felix context as well he possibly would have visualized himself serving for the match say or because his serve did break down a few times this week so I wonder whether he's going to go back to that again and just do that possible I mean it's something that you know I mean, I actually never did it during a match. It was like every night before I would go to sleep visualizing, visualizing. Yeah. So um, I'm sure it's something that he's been working on. If, and that's, if that's a tool that he uses, I'm sure he'd be visualizing every part of his game the, exactly the way he would want it to go or where the ball is going. It's not all been about the singles this week. The doubles has also attracted crowds. And in the end, it was Rohan Bopana at the grand old age of 43 and Matt Ebden, who took the title here. Jill, you spoke with one of the all-time great doubles players, Mike Bryan, um, and he was in pretty relaxed mood with you. It does take a lot to keep the bodies going, and so that's the one thing I, I don't miss is that it, it, to be out here, it's, it's a full-time job. Mm. It's, um, you're eating perfectly, right, you know, timed out, and you're sleeping at the, the right times, and and uh, it's a lot of like ice baths and massage and stretching and band walks and just making sure the your your car is is tuned up. And uh, so we've let that go a little bit just because we want to spend time on other things. You only have so many so many hours in the day. Um, that's the one thing I don't miss. But it's it's just a, a blast to to be out there. Like I just played this Dingles event. Tommy Haas ran this. Uh, yeah, you're explaining it to me. N- new it's... event out here and. There's the, some of the legends are playing, and, and uh, it was fun. I, I just played against the number one USC team, and the game has, you know, gotten so much better. So, like, college tennis is, it, I mean, it looks like pro tennis now. Like, so 
these guys were embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that. But um, yeah, it's watching it now on TV, and I w- watch a lot of tennis TV just to see. And it seems like the game is just sped up. The physicality's gone to another That's what I dimension. Ask you about. Yeah. And it 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 just hurt, it so? hurts watching it. It hurts my nose. It's just um, it just seems like they're moving just like cats to to the corners and the, and it's just the points are a little bit longer and the guys are swinging harder like i remember watching agassi back in 19 like maybe 88 here and there was no one that hit the ball like him it was like a, it sounded like a shotgun the way he hit it but now everyone's hitting even that big but bigger mm-hmm. and um it looks like super tennis you know and you need just these flexible um, bodies that are strong and they all have these like huge teams behind them, and if you don't have a team working on you, um, like you get injured because it's just too demanding. Mm-hmm. And like to win a Grand Slam is like running a marathon, mm-hmm. you know, like seven marathons, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so like after a long match, I'd probably feel like I got in a car accident. But these guys, it's amazing how they recover, and they come back and they do it time and time again. Um, so that that's one thing that the bodies have to be just as good as the games you can't just have a be a talented player you got to work just as hard on on your on your body do you do you feel like because you've only been retired for two years did you feel like that physicality was already changing at the end of your career or you see it see it even more significantly within these recent two years just every year is just i'm more and more impressed i, I you there was a change toward the end of our career where you know you're you're playing um even like in doubles like you know you your 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 second serve it's crushed by um, by top level talent. It's just the ball spinning down. So Bob started staying back on the second serve a little bit more, try to get the foreign. It's just, um, yeah, that's why you see so much eye formation. It's just the returns got nastier and bigger, and and it's just almost impossible to dig one off your shoelaces when it's coming in that hot. Um, and that's why, yeah, the doubles players are throwing, trying to throw the kitchen sink with strategy and all this stuff. And that's that's why. Uh, you see it. You see it. Like it's changed. It's different. It's not across court rallies as much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we noticed that. We never like to go I formation, but toward the end of our career, we started. Mm. Uh, you have to. It feels like. Jill, Mike said it looks like everyone is just playing super tennis, um, and that's got to be down to the courts and the equipment, hasn't it? Because everyone's always been fit. Um, yeah, fitness has always been at the forefront of tennis players minds athletes minds for sure but but like anything in life everything always grows and improves and I think I Mike's point and I agree with him is I he the game has gotten faster and I asked him if he felt that way because he's only been retired for two years the Bryan brothers if he felt that way towards the end of his career or if it's been something that's really stood out to him since he's retired and he said he felt that in in the later stages of his career but he just feels like the game has gotten so fast. And, yes, it, it's due to the string and the racket technology. Everything is always getting better. And so it's no surprise since the ball has a little bit more spin and the rackets are more powerful that the players have to make adjustments, get faster, get stronger. And, I mean, everything always improves, right? I mean, I, you almost wonder if there will be a peak at some stage. But I do feel like... Everyone is hitting the ball faster. I mean, that's why you're starting to see so many players slide a lot more on the court because the recovery has to be so much faster to the next ball because it's coming back even faster. So I see a significant rise as well in in the level of the game in the last 10 years, I would say. 
Well, it's great to hear from one of the great doubles players, one half of the Bryan brothers. And to hear more of Jill's chat with Mike Bryan, head to the podcast channel this coming Wednesday. There's all sorts in that chat, isn't there, Jill? Growing up with brother Bob... Um, and the tough side of, of life on the road, all kinds of things. Yeah, it's fantastic chat. He was great. My thanks to Jill Krabus and all of our guests. I'll be back next Sunday with the Miami Open presented by Ito, just a few days old. And in the meantime, remember, you can check out Tennis TV to watch all the action live. You can get the ATP WTA live app for all the latest scores, draws and orders of play. And head to the ATP tour.com website for more great features videos and of course the Pepperstone ATP rankings. I'm Seb Lozier with Jill Kravis. Thanks for listening and enjoy the tennis.